When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning. Thanks, everybody, for waiting. I appreciate you uh, being here for our Saturday morning Sun Solar Panel on YouTube. We've got a great show for you today. I know it's the dead part, the early dead part of the offseason before the really dead part later in the summer. But there's a lot of stuff to talk about because we don't know what the Suns are going to do to try to come back from that awful Game 7 uh, from their from their playoff series. But we are going to talk about that just a little bit because Mikkel Bridges did a cameo on the J.J. Redick podcast yesterday. And we're going to talk about how much money Devin Booker and Cameron Johnson really are worth in their potential extensions that could be um, – completed as early as as early july before we get started on all that i want to introduce my panel today uh first off we've got my regular partner brandon zona how's it going man going well um you know tough to not have the suns in the finals and watch this celtics warriors series but you know it is what it is Yep, absolutely. But you know what? Um, my second adopted team is the Celtics because I want anybody possible to beat the uh, Golden State Warriors. And that was a glorious game one from that perspective. PLR, Paul Richardson, how are you doing this morning? What's up? How are you guys? Um, that's funny, Dave. You're like, you have a T-shirt that says anyone but the Warriors. I um, It's hard for me, man, to root for the Celtics, though. I, I, I grew up in Chicago and, and – and th- those were the Lakers-Celtics hatred days. And I just, as much as I love Brown, as much as I love Tatum, that green jersey just bugs me. But it's, I just wanted entertaining finals one way or the other. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you all for joining us today. We have kind of a, um, a short show uh, because part of it is because it's an off season and nobody's really – Uh, got any new news to talk about for the Suns. And part of it is because we have some other obligations. So uh, we appreciate you being here and we won't keep you too much longer than about a half hour, 40 minutes this morning. But we do have three main main topics to to go through today. The first one is I don't know how many of you um, actually heard, but J.J. Redick does does this podcast where he gets a lot of current NBA players on there, and one of his regular correspondents is Mikkel Bridges. He actually put out a uh, a, a show yesterday um, on his JJ and um, uh, Old Man in the Three podcast, where he had Mikkel Bridges on there as a guest. And this is the first time one of the players has talked about Game Seven after having, you know, after the immediate aftermath anyway of Game Seven after they've had time to digest it. Did you guys get a chance to listen to that at all? Brandon, PLR? No, not yet. I need to, though. Um, JJ and Mikel, you know, it's must-watch TV. Yep. No, PLR, I, I, did you get a chance I, I, to listen? 
I did not, but I could imagine it was probably incredible. Well, it was really good. Listen, uh, Mikkel, the great thing about Mikkel Bridges is that he's a real one. He doesn't come up with platitudes. He doesn't repeat old tropes. He doesn't, he doesn't say things, you know, that he's supposed to say. He just says things that are real. And we have to remember, he is a 25-year-old guy who basically, uh, Chris Paul said he was like one of his sons last year. So he's a, he's a young guy, right? He likes to have fun. He's really real. And he kind of reacts to things the way we would react if we were in our early 20s under a big pressure. And so um, basically, I don't have all the quotes written down. I'm going to transcribe and put them up on Brightside uh, for later today or tomorrow. But because I just caught that yesterday afternoon. And basically, uh, there's a couple of quotes that he gave that really stuck out to me. One was that um, uh, J.J. Reddick asked Mikel if he is embarrassed. And he said, yeah, it's embarrassing for sure. Uh, he's, he said, uh, he basically, he said that no one's going to remember the rest of their season because all they're going to do is talk about game seven. And I think that's absolutely true. Fans on Brightside, fans on the solar panel, fans all over at Sun's Twitter and, and social media. Nobody's wanting to talk about who cares about 64 wins anymore. Who cares about first team all NBA for Book? Who cares about third team all NBA for Chris Paul? Who cares about coach of the year for Monty Williams? All that's out the window. I've been hearing like lots of comment fire Monty Williams, fire James Jones, trade the team. But nobody's going to want the team because they're all dead weight. All this stuff because of one game, one loss. You know, the Celtics went to two game sevens. They just performed in them. The Suns did not perform uh, in their game seven. And so uh, J.J. Redick asked a, asked a couple of questions about that. And Mikel's like, you know what? We all thought we were going to win in game six. And when that didn't happen, all of a sudden it was up for grabs. And the way he talked about it, it's that it's it's crazy because it feels like um, they had all the pressure on them. The Suns had all the pressure on them. And Mikel even said that it, the pressure mounted when they could feel it from the fans when they would miss another shot and the and the Mavs would make another shot and the fans would just go, ah, oh, and you could hear the sighs from the stands. That added even more pressure to the team. Not that they shouldn't have been able to handle it. They should have been able to handle that pressure, but the team was not ready. Now, Book and CP should have carried that team, and they didn't. Monty Williams should have had them mentally prepared, and he didn't. Those are the three that truly failed uh, because Mikel Bridges at 25, Cam Johnson at 26, who I'm sure Mikel, because they're, they're little twins, they call themselves, have talked about this. They both kind of folded under that pressure of Game 7 because your leaders are supposed to be the ones who, who set the tone. Your coach is supposed to be the one who sets the tone. Those are the guys who came up short in that game seven. And, but Mikel basically admitted that they, uh, the things got worse. The, the, the longer it took for them to make a shot, the worse it felt and the more tight they got. And Dallas was just playing free. What do you think about those comments? Um, let's start with PLR. I, I agree to an extent. Um, I, I, I believe that Monty should have made better adjustments. I believe Chris CP and, book should have done more but there's a reason why you pay Mikel. there's a reason why Aiden is looking for max money there's a reason and I I could see that more if this was last year and it was their first game seven but they made it to the finals before and they saw a lot of things they needed to grow from 
So now you're back in the playoffs again. Sometimes your stars don't have it. Sometimes they need a kick from someone else. So I just think it was a total team disaster. But I think the problem is we keep talking about game seven. Game seven isn't where they lost that series. Game three and four is where they lost that series. It just happened to all, you know, come about that game seven was a decisive game. But we saw the swing in game three and four. And then even though the Suns came back and won five, when they couldn't do anything with Dallas in game six, when when Dallas walked off the court, I think everyone uh, backside was puckering because it was like, oh, crap, this team is free. And we're <laughs> – we, we have to win. They don't have to win. So I think that game was lost before we even got to a seven. We just focus on seven because it was a game seven at home. But here's the thing. Let me just – and I'll let you talk in just a sec, Brandon. But here's the thing. If they had won game seven, we wouldn't think there were so many issues with the team. Buck Dog, um, you know I love you, and, and, and we're, we're both great fans of the team. My issue with the team stems from more than one loss. The one loss was a result of multiple issues we need to address. I get it, but those issues that need to be addressed also got the Suns into the second round of the playoffs. They also got the Suns 64 wins, the, um, an eight-game lead over the rest of the NBA. I mean, the, the, the issues the Suns are facing are a lot smaller than we're trying to make them right now. Yes, there are things they need to address, but uh, th this is not a broken team, and that's the thing. But we're not going to remember that. We're going to think it's a broken team. I Look, I'm only being a mouthpiece here in terms of I'm trying to state the other side of it. I'm trying to like uh, sympathize with Mikel and all that. And I'm trying to remember the facts. The facts are the Suns were the best team in the NBA. They choked against the Mavericks. It was more than game seven, but it wasn't like the entire team needs to be turned over. And I know you don't think that the entire team needs to be turned over either. Um, I just think that uh, we are all, including me, overreacting um, uh, to an extent on that series. And uh, I just, I felt bad listening to Mikel. You guys got to catch that podcast. It's old man in the three, JJ Raddick. Mikel talks about the loss in the first uh, seven or eight minutes of the show. Then they have a long discussion with Gary Payton, who, um, you know, I don't care about. And then at the last five minutes of the show, they, they do a, a draft on, on favorite fast foods with Mikel. He's like a regular on the show, but all you got to do is listen to the first 10 minutes or so of that podcast and about seven of them are Mikel talking about the sun series. He gave a ton of credit to Dallas. He said, look, they made all the right adjustments. Luca was really tough to handle, but he, he did admit that they came into the series thinking they had, they had the Mavericks number. They assumed they were going to win the series. He said, I, he can't remember even losing to the Mavericks since he came into the NBA, which is true. I believe they were like nine and one, 10 and one. So they did have one loss, but it was, it was a weird loss. Um, he's like, we assumed they had their number. We assumed we were just going to win that series. And then when it started getting tougher and tougher and tougher, it's like they, they didn't know what was up and what was down anymore. And so the team really failed in that series and Mikel is admitting it that they just weren't they just weren't ready for that adversity against that team and they obviously didn't know how to handle it so he gave a lot of props to the Mavs he's like the motherfuckers got us that was the words that uh Bridges said but basically the Suns kind of gave it to him um but anyway I I I, I don't want to belabor that much anymore we need to move forward so uh but Brandon 
what do you think? Do we need to move forward? Do we need to talk about that some more? What do you think? Well, I think the issues, I don't want to overblow them too much, but I will say the entire playoffs, they did not look like the Suns, even the Pelican series. There, You could see those issues starting to stack up. So I think changes need to be made. And uh, another thing to remember about the NBA is, especially in the playoffs, it's about peaking at the right time. Just look at Boston and Golden State. Like, you know, Boston was 16 and, and 19 uh, earlier this year before they played the Suns and struggling. But then, you know, they entered the postseason hot, figured things out. The Warriors went through a huge rut there in the middle of the season, uh, battled some injuries, and then they got healthy, and they're starting to peak at the right time. So that's just what it's all about. The Suns are not playing anywhere near their peak uh, come playoff time, and I think that's just what we saw. So next year they got to figure a way to keep that momentum going. Um, but, yeah, overall just an embarrassing performance, and I'm sure – Mikhail and the rest of the fan base would be happy to ever talk about it again. <laughs> um, hey, welcome to the Aussie Suns fans in the chat. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, I believe these guys are actually in the Arizona time zone right now. They're in town for a few days. They were hoping to be here to watch the Suns in the finals, but they're here anyway to drink our alcohol. So uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the to the city of Phoenix. And we'll be seeing you guys real, real soon. All right, so let's uh, let's go on. Let's let's stop talking about that for a little bit. Um, again, watch for my article on Bright Side. I'm going to transcribe what Mikkel said so you can kind of get a feel for what he. And I'll, I'll embed the podcast that he that he spoke on as well. Um, so uh, let's move on and talk about our our extension eligible people. So last week, Zona and I talked about how. Um, how the Suns have a few guys who are tradable and all that stuff. We went through that. If you didn't watch, listen to last week's podcast or watch it on YouTube, make sure you catch on that. This week, we're going to talk about the guys who are staying almost for sure. And those two guys are Devin Booker and Cameron Johnson. The team loves Cameron Johnson. The question is the only, the only question with Cameron Johnson is whether he is going to uh, uh, need too much money to be able to, to be able to stay up on, uh, stay up with the team, and and for the team to be able to afford him, uh, two guys for sure though that I'm going to consider is that um, that the Suns are are going to keep Devin Booker and and Cameron Johnson. The first guy who will probably sign a new contract with the Phoenix Suns once free agency starts is extension eligible Devin Booker. He's got two more years left on his contract. And I just want to set the stage on this. Two more years left on his contract. He's making about $34 million, just under $34 million next season. And then $36 million uh, the uh, the season after that. And then starting in 2024, he is eligible. Now that he's made first team all NBA, he is eligible for a super max extension. The super max extension is worth Hold your hold on to your hold on to your butts. It's worth two hundred and eleven million dollars. Two hundred and eleven million dollars over um uh, over I don't know if it's four or five years, but it's worth two hundred and eleven million dollars. And he's gonna be making in the high forties on salary. What do you guys think about Devin Booker signing a super max extension? Let's go with PLR. You you've got to pay him. 
I mean, it's just that simple. He's too talented. He's become the face of the Valley uh, for sports in, in, in Phoenix. You, you have to pay him. Um, there will be a lot of expectations with that much money because it all there always is. I, I for one, I, I'm real big on this, so I'll take five seconds. I don't think athlete salary should be posted. Anyway, with that being said, you have to pay him uh, the full extension. You're not going to get another talent like him. Um, so he, he deserves the money. He's earned the money. Like you said, Dave, he didn't earn the money for game seven. He earned the money for being first team all NBA for what he did for the season. That's the way it's written. So I, I don't see how you don't you know, give him a super max. Yeah, first team all NBA, finished top five MVP voting. He's still, you know, not even technically in his prime yet. So it's it's a no brainer. You pay him. Um, and if you don't, that'd be the most sun's thing in the world, just to piss off your young star that wants to be in Phoenix. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I agree with PLR. It's, just, it's no question you, you pay the guy. Um, with that does come, you know, lofty expectations that he's going to have to live up to. And uh, we can't have many more performances like that game seven performance from him. But like if he's going to be getting paid that kind of money. But uh, like I said, he's still not even technically in his NBA prime yet, which is just crazy to think about someone that's been in the league this long uh, already. So, um, you know, I think, you know, it's just a no brainer. Pay, pay book. Go go from there. All right. Let's take a second to talk about our friends at DraftKings. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? It's still a great finals, even though the Suns aren't in there. Golden State, Boston Celtics, they're going to go wire to wire. It's going to be a long series. It's really fun to get in on the action with betting. Use DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets as these finals go along. Do parlays. Parlays are great. Who's going to make the first three? Who's going to make the first basket? Who's going to get the first rebound? You can parlay just about anything over, under, on total points for for a player, things like that. Those are really fun. If you place a $5 same-game parlay, you can win over $5,000 to take home. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Um, he will be 28 years old to start the new contract. Um, he's 25, 26 now. Uh, the new contract starts in 2024. And uh, the actual numbers, I just pulled them up. It's a four-year $211 million max extension. His salaries in those years based on, um, depending on, okay, so let's assume that they actually put a salary number down based on today's um, cap, okay, which is not necessarily the cap in 2024, but let's assume they're going to agree on a number that if, based on today's cap, he can get up to 35% of that cap all by himself. He would make $47 million in 2024, 2025 season, 47 million. And then with 8% increases, that goes to 50.8, 54.6, and 
58.4 million a year four. And you guys are you guys are definitely okay with that. Yeah, 100 percent That's the price not, of even, doing, not even thinking twice. That's the price of doing business. I mean, uh, I, I that's why I honestly hate athlete salaries get published because that's the price. I mean, if you want to be a big boy and you want to play in the big boy leagues and you want to do this every year, you got to pay players. Otherwise, we could be cheap and be Orlando and just draft every year or be OK City and draft every year. But when you start getting into big boy time, you got to pay the price. I mean, we, we don't hear – I bet you we don't hear this in Boston when Jason Tatum's contract comes up. Oh, should we pay Jason Tatum? It's it's a no brainer. You you won't hear that. So, Phoenix. The one thing about Phoenix sports and and coming from a city like Chicago, where everything is big market. I mean, the one thing I've noticed about this place is when I came here to go to ASU, it was the ninth largest city. It is now the fifth largest city, but some of our sports fans' mentality is still locked in eighth ninth. We're not eighth ninth. We are now the fifth largest city in the country. Well, if you want to play ball as the fifth largest city, not just the Suns, that goes for the Cardinals, that goes for the Diamondbacks, you got to pay. I mean, the Suns can't balk about paying him the same time the Cardinals obviously are having brain farts about paying a top-line quarterback. It makes the city look cheap, and it makes it look like, like we're a city that's satisfied. And I know Suns fans are going to hate me for saying this, but sometimes Suns fans come across as satisfied when you have a great season or you almost get there. It's almost, I call it the cub mentality. Boy, we were good, but wait till next year. Whereas big cities don't say that. It's like, we freaking choke. What can we tweak? What can we do to get over the hump? And you don't do that by, by doubting whether you pay your best player. Zona, what do you think? No, I 100% agree. Uh, I, I don't even think it should be a question, frankly. That's just how positive I am that I'd pay him. So if uh, do you disagree, Dave? Is that something you you would question, or are you just playing devil's advocate? Over no, I'm actually just playing devil's advocate. It warms my heart that the only positive thing I've seen from Suns fans in the last three weeks is a universal agreement that Devin Booker has to get paid and it doesn't matter how much it is. I, it warms my heart. I love it. I just needed to set this up and give you guys a mm -hmm. chance um, to, to, to say what you're thinking, and I didn't want to be the one to say it first. Absolutely, you give Devin Booker that money. And here, let me give you the, let me give you the silver lining or the gold, uh, the, you know, the, uh, what's great about all this is even though – now, um, Sorry, this thing would start in 2024, his extension. If you agree to the money now, exactly how much it's going to be, what else happens in 2024 or 2025? Do you guys know? There's going to be a new TV deal. And the new TV deal is set to explode the cap again. So when if Devin Booker is making 35% of the cap in under today's terms and then the TV deal explodes the cap even much higher like the, what it went up like 35% last time we signed a new TV deal. Booker's percentage of the cap is suddenly a lot lower than it originally was going to be. So you've got to you, you not worry about it. 
Don't worry about signing Devin Booker. Give him all the money. Give him every last penny. Booker's the reason Chris Paul came here and the Suns went to the finals. Booker is the reason um, guys like rumored anyway, guys like Kevin Durant and LeBron James and guys like that want to play in Phoenix. They say Booker first, everything else secondary. He's the guy. He is the guy. He he is the Suns. He's been with the Suns seven years. He's going to retire as the greatest Suns player in the history of the franchise, and he deserves every penny that he gets. So I absolutely agree that Devin Booker should get um, all the money in the world. Absolutely agree with it, for sure. Uh, so uh, there's there's no question there at all. Okay, good. You had me worried there for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I thought you were ready to trade him for Tyler Hero. <laughs> no, no. I wanted you guys to be able to have a chance to talk about it and and give your say and, and all that. I was just kind of setting you guys up. Um, let's see. Sawbucks has a question in the chat. Wait, nope. Wrong one. These are these are flying. Uh, Unknown has a question in the chat. Does anyone have a feeling Booker doesn't like DA? Here, here's the thing. Booker really does like DA as a person, but Booker is so competitive and so focused, and he, he makes the most of everything he's got. That DA can be frustrating, just like any little brother can be frustrating. That is just kind of scooting along and getting credit for things and doing things and all that, but not putting out maximum effort in between games, before games, after games, during games, all that. So Devin Booker likes DA, but he gets extremely frustrated by, by DA on the court, just like the rest of us. He's no different than the rest of us. Um, but would he rather um, would he rather uh, DA actually uh, like have his focus and his competitive edge? Absolutely. Um, but he does love DA as a person. So hey, Dave, you know Book what, has you tried know to what? embrace him, but it's tough. Booker, uh, they also, I'm sorry, one more thing, PLR. Somebody asked Booker, uh, like in, toward the playoffs, would you ever be a head coach in the future? And he's like, oh, hell no. And um, uh, Monty Williams was asked, do you think Devin Booker could be a coach? And he's like, oh, hell no. There's no way in hell because Book doesn't have any patience for anyone who needs to be developed or, or you know, like built up or anything like that. Book has no patience for any of that. He just wants to do his job and leave. Michael Jordan never wanted to be a coach in the NBA, and I'm not comparing Book to Jordan. I'm just saying there's a mentality amongst the game's best players that it's really hard for them to um, appreciate a, other players as much as that you need to as a head coach. Larry Bird tried to coach and hated it. He was good at it. But he hated it, and he quit after a while. He just went into the front office. Some of these greatest players ever just can't stand the idea of coaching guys who don't care as much as they do, don't focus as much as they do, or don't have the talent to perform as well as they do. It's tough for those guys. And so Book's like, oh, hell no, I'll never be a coach. That's one of the reasons that he, he loves but gets frustrated by DA. You know what this reminds me of? Do you guys remember uh, years ago, when Kobe Bryant was caught off camera talking about Andrew, I uh, can't remember the name of the center, and he was like, get his ass Fine. out of here. Fine him, yeah, because he didn't perform. Now, from everything I've ever heard, Kobe loved the guy, but his work ethic wasn't wasn't there. And it kind of reminds right. me of this, not that book is going to be caught off camera because a lot of people are smarter now with phones and cameras and all that, but, but you can kind of see that. It's like, yo, man, we love you, but if you don't work, 
we could love you in the summertime at a at a at a barbecue, but we we need we need you here putting the work in. And that's kind of what this reminds me of. Just book saying, come on. Now the flip side to that though is when Kobe is yelling at, at, at Andrew, uh, Kobe had three rings. So so book is on that fine line of yelling because what you got to be careful of is DA coming back saying, I know I wasn't there for game seven, but where were you? So yeah. <laughs> you, you got you, 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 there, there's a fine line between between the two. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, okay. So I think we can agree that Devin Booker is uh, worth the $211 million that he can sign the Supermax for. Um, and uh, um, I think let's, it's time to move on. Let's talk about our, our third topic of the day real quick. Again, this is a short show and I appreciate you guys' time. Uh, we are going to move forward and we're going to talk about Cameron Johnson. Cameron Johnson is ex- eligible for a rookie extension. Um, this is the same boat that Mikel Bridges. I'm going to use just Mikel in this because DA was looking for a max extension last summer. So he's more akin to the Devin Booker, should he get the max kind of thing as far as uh, topics. Um, but Mikel Bridges was worth less than max. Okay. So he was worth around the $20 million mark. Um, and he got $21 million uh, last, last offseason. A lot of us believe that he agreed to that contract early in the summer, but they waited to try to see if they could work out the DA and Mikel announcements together so there wouldn't be pressure of why this guy but not that guy. Um, and I really think that um, the um, uh, the Suns really want to keep Cameron Johnson, but I also don't necessarily think Cameron Johnson is worth anywhere close to what Mikel Bridges gets. So I want to hear what you guys think. So Mikel Bridges got $21 million last year. Um, Brandon, we'll start with you. What do you think Cameron Johnson should get as a um, as a rookie extension that would start a year from now? Yeah, so there's two things. There's what you think a player should get, and then there's what another team thinks they should get when they're restricted. And that's what, you know, Cam's – price tag is going to come down to what to, you know, the Spurs or the Hornets or whoever <clears throat> throws his way. So um, I think Cam is probably worth about 15 to 18 mil a year, somewhere in that range, just based off of his, uh, you know, potential, quote unquote, even though he's a little bit older for someone uh, getting his first extension. But uh, I think just based off the upside and the shooting, the size, the, the perimeter defense, all that, I think, Things like him are in high demand, so um, you know the the base price to me is like fifteen millions a year is probably going to be the the bottom end of that, um, and it could soar up to twenty plus mil if the, you know the right team gets desperate. So um, I think it's going to be somewhere close to Mikel, but probably just a little bit less. PLR. Okay, so arrows get ready to fire. I think anything over fifteen million, you put him in a trade. So if someone offers him anything more than that, he now becomes a trade package. You have to be careful with how you're spending your money. As much as I love Cam Johnson and as much as I I think he's a great part of this team, you simply can't pay everybody. And there's the Suns have some serious holes in what this defeat taught us was, uh, if like Dave, Dave, you said it a thousand times, if they would have won, we wouldn't have found them. But they didn't win, so we found them. So they've got to now address these holes. If you're paying, let's just say they pay DA. Can't pay DA and Cam and Mikhail and Chris and Paul. 
and then come back and possibly get the same results. So I think if anything gets over 15 million, he is now in a package and he's got to move. Yeah. And it's, it's tough for me because like Landry Shamit sitting there making 11 million and you have Cam who's uh, clearly a better player that um, that's why the price tag is always interesting with this kind of stuff. But I, I could definitely see him being part of a, you know, a big trade package this offseason just in terms of, you know, them wanting to keep Mikhail if the right guy becomes available, someone wants Cam and they want to pay him. Like, I think he's kind of the no brainer. That's going to be like the sweetener in a deal. Um, if they make something big. Hey, Zona, you know you what's guys really know? Weird? I think the only two people that aren't tradable are Booker and Mikhail. To, to be perfectly honest, I, I agree. I, I think anybody else, not that you would trade them, but I think you should listen. I think those are the only two yep. people you have on the team that you just hang up the phone when they call. The only exception for Mikel would be if Kevin Durant for me. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, went, yeah. I would do anything in my power not to include him if that happened. But if it came down to it, like this is a price, then I, that's the only player I think and that's realistic that could warrant that. But outside of that, yeah, I agree. He's untradeable. Hey, did anyone else pick up on – I haven't really uh, covered this on Brightside either because, uh, I don't know, It's I just realized it or just noticed it. Somebody pointed it out, and I'm like, wow. So I didn't come up with it myself. Somebody else did. I just don't know who to give credit. But Landry Shaman has been in the, in the NBA for four years, okay? He's been in the playoffs all four years. Did you know, guys know that Landry Shamit has been part of a – Second round, seven game loss, all four years of his career. He's never made it out of the second round, and it's never gone less than seven games. I Jinx. said that on the show last week. You did. Yeah, that's where I heard it from. It Sorry about that. Curse. Yeah, it's when I think we were well, talking he... about uh, should Landry stay or go, and I said he's got to go. He's the curse. Way to go, Dave. Way to listen to your co-host. Yeah, I know. Way to, Sorry. About way to that, give him man. credit. You know why you didn't give him credit? Because you didn't listen to him. That's why you didn't give him well, credit. Well, we talked about listening. Landry Shamit. Shamit to, to be fair, I also found that on, on Twitter as some post. I didn't come up with that. But. No, I know. I know. I'm sorry about that. I forgot that we, we've already talked about this a week ago. My bad. I've got. I've got a head cold and uh, my brain is not processing properly this morning, but yeah, he is bad in game sevens that we might have to just bring that up as the, as the Shamit curse section for the show and just keep repeating it. And, and I'll just pretend it's new news every week. That could be our, our new shtick. Um, so I apologize, Brandon. I do listen. I actually listen to our show back after we're done too. Um, okay. Anyway, so Landry Shamit probably is not the bar I would set um, as far as, well, if he gets 11 million, Cam Johnson should get 20 because Cam Johnson is twice the player. Um, but definitely Mikel Bridges is better than Cam Johnson. Mikel Bridges plays a lot more minutes, is a surefire starter. Until this past year, was actually a more accomplished three-point shooter. Mikel has more offensive game. Um, and he's a better defensive player. So I, I, I think the ceiling, I'm with you, PLR. I'm with you, Zona. I think the ceiling for him is around $15 million, And if he wants to stay with the Suns, it's going to have to stay right there. If he wants more, it's going to have to be a move-on situation. Uh, but he seems like, yeah, a little over uh, mid-level. He's better than Jay Crowder. But he's not, like, extensively better than Jay Crowder. And Jay Crowder is a career mid-level guy. So... 15 should be the top for Cam Johnson. I'd agree with that. 
Um, okay, we got three minutes left. And all I want to do is um, mention we had a few comments in the chat, and P Dog actually gave us a super chat uh, so that we would bring this up. And I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. Robert Sarver, the investigation into him has not come out. You know, the results of that investigation has not come out. But when the Suns addressed their, their season ticket holders at the end of the year and they sent a letter to the season ticket holders about how the season ended and all that, Sarver did not sign the letter. Only the president of basketball operations uh, and uh, James Jones signed it. We haven't heard Robert Sarver's name in the media at all. We haven't heard anything. He did get forced out. Um, or retired from his own bank that he was the chairman of the board for. Um, do we think that Robert Sarver will be the owner of the Phoenix Suns by the end of the summer? Uh, Brandon, what do you think? So uh, this silence from Sarver is just one of two things. It's either A, they have nothing on him, and he's kind of waiting for this situation to die down, just not draw attention to himself, and he's going to come back. Or B, and this is what I think, uh, that – you know, the league is going to force him out, but he's going to make it seem like it's under his own uh, volition to where he's just going to kind of say, you know, I'm selling the team, um, even though it's an agreement with the league. That's kind of what I'm hoping for, at least. Um, I think he's probably gone at this point. All signs kind of point towards that. Um, but you never know with an owner like him. He could be stubborn, you know, and try to, you know, weasel his way into for another few years. But um, at this point, yeah, I think I'm going to lean no, but. It wouldn't shock me if he was back at this point. Um, Ted Lubin in the chat uh, says Najafi will replace him. Uh, that'd be that's a kind of a wish list. Um, Jam, he's a cockroach born survivor. Uh, P Dog uh, obviously had some comments on him from earlier in the show that he'd, he'd like to see him out. We'll see. The problem is that unless you've heard something by now. We're not going to hear anything before free agency. So all the big spending decisions will have been made regardless of whether there's a change in ownership for this coming year. And this coming year is huge, huge for the Phoenix Suns as far as spending. PLR, what do you think? Is Sarver going to be around? You know what? I agree with Brandon 100%. I think owners on this one are not going to be as vocal uh, like they were with uh, the cat with the Clippers. I can't even think of his name anymore. Uh, but because owners have a fine line. You got to be careful when you're pushing each other out because they all have a bunch of skeletons. So I agree with part B of what Brandon said. It, it would be a, a backroom side deal, leave, get out, do it your way, make whatever announcement, make it look like you won, but do it. I just don't think owners want to be vocal on this one. So uh, I agree with Brandon 100%. Yeah, there, uh, the, there was rumor leaking this past week that there was a $2 billion plus dollar offer for the Trailblazers being made that Paul Allen, the owner of the Trailblazers, does not want to, he's not for, he says they're not for sale. That was by Phil Knight, and I forget who his partner was going to be. That'd be kind of cool to see those guys pivot and buy the Suns instead. The Suns are definitely worth more than $2 billion um, if the, if the, trailblazers are than the suns are sarver would make a ton of money he'd be able to retire in in style and he'd be able to afford those uh floor seats that he he likes to use anyway uh fabio asks how many super chats would dave need need if he wanted to buy the suns uh, about a billion maybe two billion super chats uh before because i because youtube keeps half the money so <laughs> so maybe two to four billion super chats um 
I appreciate you all for coming today. PLR, thank you so much for coming. I know you got to run and go on to your own uh, things today. I, I appreciate you all. Yeah, Phil Knight is from Portland. I get it. He's not going to pivot and buy Phoenix. Uh, but definitely, um, hopefully, somebody's going to come together and, and, and make an offer that Sarver can't refuse. Um, Brandon, thank you for coming. Tell us where we can find you around the web. Of course, uh, at Zona Hoops underscore on Twitter. Um, you can find my work on brightsideofthesun.com and zonahoops.com and paybook. All right. PLR, where can we find you? I'm on the Twitter at the Sports Cave. Cave is with the K. Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter, PLR on Sports. All right, man. And I'm Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on the Twitter. And brightsideofthesun.com is where I put all my writing. So, We'll talk to you all next time. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you.